Hiya and welcome to the Northern Girls Club podcast, conversations from the clubhouse. I am Lauren. Hiya, nice to hear from you and nice to see you. No, need to start that again. Completely went tits up, don't know what I'm talking about. I need to yawn also, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Hiya and welcome to Northern Girls Club, the podcast, conversations from the clubhouse. We are here to bring you some down-to-earth Northern stories with loads of ambition and a little bit of kick up the assness. My name is Lauren. I am your founder, CEO, manager, director, captain, whatever the hell you want to talk or call me, that's fine. And I'm here with... Sasha, also co-founder of NGC. Um, We are both cousins and we are going to be talking you through exactly why we're here. Um, A little bit of flavour as to why we think this is perhaps a gap that needs filling and hopefully have a little bit of a laugh along the way. Um, The aim by the end of the episode is that you've got a feel for who Northern Girls Club are, um, our mission and what we're trying to achieve, but also perhaps just to pass an hour and enjoy yourself. So, Sash, let's go right back to the beginning without telling the Northern Girls Club story. Why are we sat on this sofa right now? What's the crack? Oh, I don't even know where to begin with that. There's just so many threads. I think probably we need to talk about for this episode, really, kind of park the Northern women aspect. Yes. And just talk about what it means to be Northern, why we felt the need to kind of represent that. And let's just go with the focus for this episode of what it means to be a Northerner, what it means to be working class and kind of Northern stereotypes, because I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, okay, I like that. So we'll keep the the perhaps topic wide open in Mm. being Northern in 2023. Um, But let's get familiar with our clubhouse, because if you are an Instagram follower, you know we've got a metaphorical clubhouse. And this is about as real as it's going to get. Yeah, so if we have a a little bit of a look around, because we were just bragging actually to the guys that are recording us right now, which is really uncomfortable and awkward, but we're figuring it out. This is actually an old coffee table from my house that we have provided here as propage. The pictures that you can see at the front were created by um, one of our cousins. We've got about 26 cousins. (laughs) True story. Um, that's that the wonky bamboo in the corner uh, was that your house or my house uh, I think this is from the, this studio so a lot of the things we've just had a look around and grabbed and put some co- some kind of set together yeah so that was just here already yeah but it adds to the our like feng shui and oh, our yeah. vibe so we're like that the pictures in the background um, if you are a follower on Instagram or you've been a member of the team or you've stuck around for a while you will recognise those um, those are our canvases uh, that we made at Hotel Football over in Salford on International Women's day last year and they contain the marks of over 60 northern women um, who attended our event at hotel football which was just incredible um and then claire who was the artist who led that session uh, she curated those and put all those together so we feel like you've got our backs like your art is behind us behind you sasha what have we got there oh so we've got i think these are some of my favorite things so we've been um really lucky to get involved more with burnley football club and we've been on a couple of matches courtesy of burnley football club and we've got a really special football shirt that's signed by the Burnley Football women's team. And then we've got one of the newest strips. And that one's really special because in terms of Burnley and community spirit, the motto behind that is all roads lead to home. Mm. So we've got some of our Burnley shirts there. Yeah. Um, and again, going back to the whole Northern Burnley thing, Sasha and I are cousins. Most of you will know that, boring, boring. Uh, but we are uh, and have lived and grown up in Burnley for most of our lives. Now, when we refer to Burnley, we're not necessarily using Burnley. This isn't Burnley Girls no. Club. We're really, really conscious of that. Um, and perhaps where we catch people off guard, Sasha summed us up quite well a, a few months ago. She said, a lot of people, you probably won't remember that you said this, Sasha, which really stuck with me. Um, people never know what to expect from us. 
And I think that's what makes us quite mm. niche because what you'll find tonight on this episode is that we're quite serious about a lot of things that are serious, mm. but we're also incredibly stupid about other things mm. as well. And that's okay. Um, so we're not going to make any apologies for that. So when we are referring to Burnley, obviously that's our context, our reference point. But I know for a fact, anybody listening will have their own equivalent working class town or small town or area that they've grown up that's got its characters or, you know, its issues and its problems. So relate and take from that what you will. We're not speaking on behalf of your town, but from what we know and from yeah, what we've it's seen. it's universal. Absolutely. Um, we're also not going to apologise for our accents. I guarantee we are <laughs> going to get... Yeah, off the back of this podcast. I can see it now, whether we shared on Facebook. We were shared on Facebook one time. Do you remember when we were on... Um, we were on Facebook with some massive... What was that? We did. Was that... We did an interview for BBC and to be uh, fair... So we didn't point out our BBC award. No, we'll come to that. So we did, and that was in the really early stages of NGC. We did um, an interview with BBC and to be fair, we had lots and lots and lots of comments and I was just waiting. I was like, somebody yeah. is going to troll us. Somebody's going to say something negative. And I think it was just one person that did. Yeah, it was. So we've been quite lucky so far. So far, but it's, yeah, it's, it's coming. It's coming our way. But, but we're ready. What? Yeah, well, we're so ready. We've got a stock set of phrases that we know are going to mm. come our way, but absolutely not. That's fine. We've got regional accents. Get over it. We sound like we're from Burnley. Guess what? We, we are. are. <laughs> You've probably got your own accent as well, uh, but we are going to touch on this massively yeah. because it is such an issue. Um, perhaps an issue bigger than one that we realised growing up, mm. one that we see even doing this kind of stuff. People don't expect us to sound like what we sound like um, and certainly not register the substance in what we say. Mm. So let's get to that in a minute. But Sasha, what is being Northern for you? So I think, and I've had to think really hard about this question. And do you know what? I think being Northern to me is something that's actually changed the older that I've got. So I think when I was younger, obviously, you don't really have much awareness of your town and who you are until you leave it. And I think it was only when I left Burnley, when I went to um, Newcastle Uni, and we'll talk about that. So me and Lauren went to the same uni. I think it was only then that I actually really thought about and really understood, actually, I'm very different. And the reason why I'm very different is because I'm Northern and because I'm working class. So for me, that was a bit of a reality check. Like, oh yeah, not everybody's like me. And I hadn't necessarily realised that until I left the town. Obviously, growing up in Burnley, you're constantly around negative headlines and we'll touch on that. I knew it was town we get told it all the time we yeah. get told it by media we get told it by the news I knew that but I didn't really kind of live it or experience it until I left it but I think to me being northern absolutely is a culture and it's an identity yeah that's okay. the way that I would phrase it so let's unpick that then what about your identity what is it that you're doing I'm genuinely asking this because I don't know the answer what in your behaviour, in your personality, do you see that you would attribute to being a northerner? Well, it's funny, actually, because this is something that we've been teaching the kids at school. Okay, cool. So we've been doing a topic see, on... That's such a good idea. It that's is, so refreshing. Well, 100%. So I've intentionally put that into our curriculum because we teach all Because sorts. I'm head of department, yo. But even before head of department, <laughs> I was doing that anyway. Um, so we teach our kids all sorts. So we write a curriculum that is completely bespoke to the needs of the kids that walk through doors so I teach at a Burnley school Burnley kids through and through they are who they are I know them I used to be one 
Um, so we teach them all sorts about diverse cultures. We try and broaden the perspective in that way. And I thought, you know what, actually, something's missing here. We're not actually teaching them what it means to be Northern about their mm. own identity. So we've done loads of work on picking like the history. We've spent loads of time talking about uh, suffragettes, talking about music. But the biggest thread that comes through when you speak to kids, and I think about when you speak to anyone about what it means to be Northern, is community. Yeah belonging and feeling part of something it's that it's so hard to put that into words mm -hmm. isn't it even just giving you a quick example so Sasha and I last minute with this podcast as always setting up this really amazing set as you can see but even just nipping to the car then we have to walk past the pub next door <laughs> yeah. and there's two absolute characters oh my God. and we have a little bit of a laugh with them back and forth that's being normal, that is. isn't it mm. and it's little things like today I took my girls to soft play and there was a mum next to me and she just watched them for me for literally mm. two minutes and she was like oh I don't worry love I'll watch them for you that's being northern yeah. in my eyes. Well, I had my nieces up. So my nieces were born in Burnley, but they moved down south because my brother's in the military and they came up her half term. And I took one of them in New Look and she was trying an outfit on and there was a woman in the cubicle next door and she came out and she's like, love, you look really lovely. Oh. You need to buy that. And Ella, my niece actually said, she's like, God, people are so friendly up north. She said, I miss that. She said, you would never get that down south. Why do you think that is? I really don't, I if don't know. If there's any southerners listening, what is wrong with you? Why are you not doing Is it because they're in a rush because they have to get the tube? I just don't think it's their culture. It's just not who they are. And we are absolutely not dissing all Southerners here at all. Well, because I'm sure that you are very friendly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's very, very different. Yeah. Um, and I think and I think what's hard about it is, unless you live it and unless you're in it, you can't really identify yeah. it and you can't articulate it. I and that. even I struggle sometimes. Um, and I think as well, what, what we need to kind of distinguish here is what it means to be northern and what it means to be working class because I think they are two separate things and I think class at the minute especially in our country is something that is so fluid and is not as set as how it used to be and it's interesting how people when I when my experience when I went to uni I was classified as northern and as working class and I felt like both of those things kind of were obstacles and were barriers and they would have been separately but combined even more so. They don't necessarily complement each other do they so I guess if you were thinking like of an Essex equivalent a working class person with an Essex accent mm. I guess would perhaps come mm. up against similar judgments mm. than, than than we would but in in my what like I guess going back to what I've just said I can't articulate what it means to be northern but I can articulate what it feels like mm. to be northern if that makes sense um so for example like you've like you've referenced that warm feeling of being home mm. or if, for example, and this hopefully would never happen, I needed some help or I needed five minutes and I would feel comfortable enough walking up to a stranger. Yeah. If they were Northern as well, mm. that's ridiculous. That's just something, that mm. sort of home sense that mm. you've got that you just think, yeah, okay. I, I, and again, like you said, it's belonging. Um, but I do think stereotype does feed into this positively as well. Yes, there is a friendly vibe. But for me, the biggest thing, and I, I think it's one of my biggest personality strengths, and I think it's where I've stood out in my journey and what I've done, it's been down to earth. Mm. Um, we've been brought up down to earth. Mm. There's no room for ego in our family. And I do feel like a lot of the people that you meet who are Northern have that down to earth, mm. salt of the earth, lack of arrogance. Not everybody. Come on, we're not being general. We're not idiots enough to generalise this as everyone. But do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I yeah, feel 100%. Like and I think that comes from, I think people are so down to earth because 
we don't have a sense of entitlement no. because we've never been given it. No. We've never been given the choice to feel entitled. Well, you're not going to be big time, are you, when you've grown up like, on no. Coldplay? And, <laughs> and you know, we've never had the chance to feel privileged or superior. So by default, you yeah. are taught to be down to earth because there is just no alternative. Yeah. And I guess that's really weird looking at what social media has done to us all because I wonder now what all the working class kids are doing. Do you know like on social media when everyone's living the best lives mm. and... What are they flaunting? Are mm. they flaunting? Surely, mm. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Mm. That's perhaps something that we could ask younger, cooler people um, than us. But yeah, being Northern in 2023 is mad. And now if we go back a little bit, being Northern in, I'm not, what year did we go to uni? I went the year before you, 2008? Possibly. Yeah, so I went in 2008. Sasha went in 2009. Obviously, Sasha's copied my trainers tonight in true fashion that she copied what I uni I went to. I mine are green and exclusive and therefore better. Yeah, well, whatever. But I went to Newcastle University in 2008. Sasha then went to Newcastle <laughs> University in 2009. So the evidence stacked against her in terms of copying. Um, but I think it's absolutely right to reference this, isn't it? Because I had absolutely yeah. no idea what I was about to walk into. Um, and I think this is so pivotal and interesting for this episode. And it's where NGC came from. Mm -hmm. It's why we started this ep this mm -hmm. whole movement in the first place. I rocked up at uni and they struck me in the bloody um, private school accommodation. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. So um, at Newcastle Uni, there was a, a uni building accommodation block called Castle Leases. I don't think it exists anymore. I'm pretty sure it used to be an ex-prison block. That's what it felt like anyway. You had your own room on a floor of about nine. There was a shared bathroom. But and you had all your meals cooked for you. I remember that, was it. that. you just took my punchline. Yeah, sorry, because I was in Mickey Road with the cool kids. Yeah, FYI. Well, you, well, I should have been in there yeah. for some reason. They didn't put me in there. They obviously thought I would don't know, but in, should be in prison block. But I was in there and it was catered. Mm. So obviously, all the kids who went there were used to getting catered accommodation. Honestly, I think I ate there once the whole year. I just to sort myself out. Um, but that massively switched mm. up the narrative for me in terms of my uni prospects because I stood out like a sore thumb. All of a sudden, I was in middle class, boarding school, upper class, privileged kid land. Mm. Um, and I wasn't prepared for it. In fact, I remember the other day, Sasha, that I was the only kid on that floor. In fact, the whole way through uni, I think more or less, who had a job. Yeah, and I think it's probably important to kind of clarify the demographic of Newcastle students here for people that don't know. Yeah. So I think we were a little bit na naive and obviously you went there before me, but I just assumed, oh, Newcastle, it's northern. Uh, it will have Geordies. It will be full yeah. of sound people. It's a big, it, a big it, home. It yeah. is not that. Not. So the majority of people are privileged, privately educated, extremely posh, just not the kind of demographic that I was expecting. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that no. at all. You know, it's just something that I had never been exposed to. So I was traipsing off doing like 12 hour bar shifts to see myself through uni off the back of the help with my parents, you know, combining those two things. They weren't, but all of a sudden, and how weird is it, my accent stood out. Do you remember that moment where mm. you opened your mouth and mm. people literally questioned mm. you? Well, yeah, no, I remember it really vividly. My experience was slightly different to yours. So I was at uh, Ricky Road, which was not as privileged. But it, it's funny because even the people that were there that were more working class were still so different to me. Mm. And I think that is kind of a, a small town trait that you very much have your own identity. And although they probably were working class, I, I still felt really different. I looked different. So I think I read a really interesting article actually about... Um, 
people feeling like they've got to change their image to look more middle class. And when I was like, what we've done to that, well, wearing my blazer tonight, everybody. Um, <laughs> but when I went to uni, I used to have, I used to wear the most hair extensions yeah. you have ever seen. I was always fake tanned. I always had a full face of makeup. I used to wear Topshop clothes, and you know, I don't apologise for that, and I never changed that. But I was the only person yeah. that looked like that. So everyone else had barely any makeup. Um, they had Mulberry handbags. They had Gap the North Face. Yeah, they had the North Face body warmers. So instantly, not only did I look different, then I opened my mouth and I sound very different. And I remember what you're saying there about accents. So interestingly, when I was at uni, I developed, and I, I, I would definitely say, a fear and a complex of public speaking. So you sat in a lecture with what, 200 people, you get asked a question yeah. and I kid you not, when I open my mouth to speak, everybody's heads in the lecture theater just turn like that. And because of that, I used to go to lectures and I would sweat, I couldn't speak. If someone asked me a question, I would just absolutely break out in a panic. And it took me a really long time. Obviously now I'm a teacher, public speaking is what I do. Yeah. But that stayed with me to the point where I was so anxious about going to certain seminars that I just stopped going because I couldn't bear people looking at me yeah. and people just assuming that I was thick, which unfortunately is what I experienced. And it's such an inherent part of who you are. And it is something, isn't it, that hasn't gone away because mm. I, I'm an adult, like, what am I? I actually don't know how old I am. I'm 32, 33, however old I am, I come up against that now in business mm. straight away I will be saying something that mm. is of worth that is of value that's mm. probably the smartest comment in the room at that time but I can literally see mm. people looking straight through mm. me and they'll lean over to me and they'll whisper love your accent yeah or where are you from Aust oh this stock phrase which I'm sure you're all aware of if you're from Burnley 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 um and it, look there are more severe forms of discrimination and we're not sitting on this sofa saying woe is me but no one's really talking about this no and I think sometimes People think as well that Northerners over-exaggerate this. There might be people that went to uni with me or you and be like, no, that didn't happen. It that did. didn't happen. It did. Yeah. And I've got, can I just say that for this episode, I've got my little books of facts and anecdotes. <laughs> and I've been doing... She has as well. I, I, I really have. Oh, and she's highlighted pages. them just for reference. So can I just, based on what we've just been talking about there, so I'm really interested in accent bias and I've, do, I've been doing a lot of reading about it. And I read this fact and it really stuck out to me. So basically... Get this, job candidates who spoke in RP, that's your received pronunciation, like, like crystal um, standard English, were judged to be more informed and more suitable for professional employment, even when speakers of other accents gave identical answers. So even when yeah. someone with a Burnley accent gave an identical answer, they would still prefer to employ the person who didn't have an accent. So it's there and it's real and the statistics show that. I can absolutely... Personally, I feel that. Like, literally, yeah. I'm nodding and I'm going, yeah, I get it. But I wonder how different... Do you reckon we actually hold some of that bias against our own accents? Be honest. Ooh, like, yeah. Imagine if you were interviewing now, Sasha, do you think... I mean, obviously not in a teaching capacity, maybe, because you're in a Burnley school, but I guess for myself personally, even me might even hear a Yorkshire accent or a strong Wigan accent mm. or something. Or I don't know, I bet we all carry well, that Well, I'll tell you bias. what I found when I was at uni. So whenever someone challenged my accent, so my defence mechanism was to go more Burnley. So whenever I felt kind of, what, what does that I don't think like? I could get much more Burnley than this. <laughs> but whenever I felt threatened or whenever I felt out of place, my defence mechanism was, right, well, this is my identity, Clarently. this is my accent, I'm going to own it. And I went more Burnley. Um, but I have so many instances of, of kind of throwaway comments and, you know, those 
sentences that people say that they won't even remember saying, but it completely sticks with you. So I'll give you an example of this. So when I was at uni in third year, um, I lived with obviously a group of girls and there was a, a girl, really lovely, from absolutely mad as anything, bizarre, really eccentric, from Northern Ireland. And she was massively privileged, massively wealthy. Um, her family owned a private estate on some uh, island beach and they bred horses for a living. What? Yeah, exactly. I just cannot relate Is that even at all. real? Does yeah. that even happen? So anyway. Well, just, sorry, sorry to you, look, just for reference, Sasha and I grew up on like, you know, we were fine. Our family were fine. Yeah. We did, we never wanted for anything, no. but we managed. I think that would be the right verb. We managed. Yeah, we, we managed. weren't well off, but we weren't no, poor. No, we grew up on Terry Streets. We played out on the road. Yeah. We went to Blackpool for our holidays for quite a while. Our first holidays, were, like we were not, for us that, I can't, when Sasha even says that now, I think, oh mm. my God, what the hell? We what does that even mean? Can't yeah, can't, I have no cultural reference no. to that whatsoever at um, all. And again, that was absolutely mind blowing for me. Um, but I remember we were all in the living room one day and we were watching TV and there was something on, on the TV about working class people. And um, this girl from Ireland, she just made a comment and she said, ooh, working <laughs> class. And I just said, I said, sorry, I said, what did you say? And she said, ooh, working class people, horrid. And I just looked at her and I said, I'm working class. And she looked so shocked and affronted. And she said to me, you're not working class. I said, I am working class. And she said, you can't be working class because you're at university. Yeah. And that was her understanding. But what was really interesting about it is we were both equally as ignorant as each other because she didn't understand what working class meant. And I couldn't even articulate no. what it meant. All I knew is that I was, but I didn't know what it meant. And even now, I think it's really hard to pinpoint what that means. So again, I did some research, what it means to be working class. So the current definition is, and I do think this is really archaic, is somebody who works in an unschooled job. Yes. So you are unschooled mm -hmm. and you um, are uneducated, essentially. But I think this idea of defining um, working class based on a salary or a skill set just doesn't exist anymore. No. It's a culture and it's an identity. Absolutely. And I think that's brought that really nicely around to enter NGC because... Right back when we started this page, and I'm not going to go into why, because I'm sure we've referenced that or we will reference that elsewhere. We, nobody showed us, women, men, anyone, really going on and doing anything outside of our environment. And I think that's probably because they weren't. Mm. You know, and I'm not saying that for everybody, but looking down within our network, I, I didn't even know that it was in my power or my remit to go and travel the world because I didn't know anyone who'd done no. that. Um, I didn't know it would uh, be within my skill set to perhaps go and work in publishing, which I would have loved to have done looking back now. I just, I didn't have the literacy for that. I didn't look around. No one lived near me who did that. Nobody from school went on and really did anything like that. So when lockdown hit and Sasha and I were like so bored of the bullshit of Instagram, we thought we knew that there were women our age now coming into mm. your 30s, settling down into their career paths, thinking, going and doing cool stuff. Mm. And we thought, we've got to capture that. We've got to capture these women who've grown up mm. in towns like ours and have gone and who have made something mm. of themselves. And they have made something of themselves without the privilege, without the backing of mummy and daddy, um, without it just being, oh yeah, I just fancy going and, you know, having a... These women have gone and carved these careers and like you reference in your poem, it's one of my favourite lines, uh, whatever we've got, we've had to work harder times 10. Mm. Um, and I really believe that mm. to be the case for a lot of working mm. class people and for a lot of working class people not to have those discussions because for me, going back to the original question, being Northern is nuanced. Mm. And it's nuanced in a way that nobody's really touching on. 
it is being working class. It is being friendly. It is being down to earth. It is having a sense of belonging. It is saying what it is mm -hmm. sometimes. And it is uh, having the courage to confront someone or disagree with someone. Um, it's also being really intelligent and articulate, mm -hmm. like we are being now, mm -hmm. hopefully. Um, and people are always really shocked by that. Yeah, well, because, and I think that's another thing as well, isn't it? Like, I think only since I've hit 30s that I'm really starting to question and challenge all of these northern stereotypes, which we'll touch on, that are just so ingrained. And when it's all you hear over and over and over mm. again, you do internalise it and you do believe it. So I'll give you a really good example of that. And I have such a vivid memory of this. And I remember I'd just finished uni, so I'd been around all these new people, never met them before, never really felt like I fit in, didn't kind of find my crowd at all, wanted to come back to Burnley, but then also I thought, well, I can't go back to Burnley because if I go back to Burnley, I can't be successful because yeah. that's what I've been told. Yeah. So I was kind of at a crossroads and I went back to work at McDonald's full time because I'd worked there at college. And I, so I would have been about 21 at the time. And I'd done 12 hour shift at Mackey's, came home, absolutely knackered, up to my elbows in burger grease, put the news on. And they're talking about an article and I have to just read this headline because again, you can find it, it's on the internet. Gosh, this is such extensive notes. Well, listen, you've just got to be informed about these things. You're such a whole department now. Yeah, this is my level of preparation. <laughs> okay. So I came home from work and I'm watching the news, absolutely knackered. And it's talking about um, an article written by The Economist. And the headline was, and I remember this so vividly, and it was, forget about saving decaying towns like Hull and Burnley and pay people to leave. And I remember listening to that and just thinking, give us a break. Do you know what I mean though? Give Can us a break. we use that as a, a for this episode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And do you know what? I was angry about it. Even yeah. at 21, I was like, how dare somebody who has never probably yeah. even set foot in our town write something that's so disparaging and so biased and as if that's a quick fix solution, just pay them to leave. Who is the them? It's not just a town, it's people, it's their lives, it's their careers, it's our families. And you saw, right, and there are some of the most fantastic people mm. from towns like ours. Mm. There are some of the most successful people mm. from towns like ours who are so well, like, achieved mm. in their own remits. But then it goes on to say things like, um, so obviously it refers to us as a failing town, um, opens a debate about whether the government is willing or able to close the North-South Divide, and this is my favourite one, um, talented young people are draining away. No, we're not. No. We're here, but you're telling us that we can't stay here because we won't be successful. Yeah, so which is That's it? That's the problem. So yeah. which is it? Do we exist or do we not? Because if we do exist, surely we're better off staying and improving the town. Yeah. But that really just struck a chord with me because I remember the way that I thought about it was. So I was like, right, just when you think that you've gone to college, you've got three years at A-level, you get into a red brick unit, you're around all of these people that are privileged and you get the same degree as them. And I, I talk about this all the time, but Princess Eugenie did the same course as me. She was in the same lecture theatres. These are the kind of polar opposites Can you imagine talking about. If you'd have got, right, let's just, sorry to just... No, I need to just finish no, my I know, story. But imagine if you'd have got mates with her. 
She had absolutely no idea that I existed. I mean, why would oh. she? But she was there. So anyway. So hey, Eugenie girl. So now, I've gone to uni with these people and then you come out and just when you think, do you know what? I might have a fair crack at this. I might have a fair chance of getting a decent job and doing something decent. Mm. It takes one article like that to tear it all yes. down again. Yep. And it is, it's so ingrained and it's so built up and it is taken away one brick at a time. But for every one brick you're taking away, someone's putting 10 more on by writing in articles like that yeah. so essentially i think what northern girls club is is there's a wall break it down whatever you think burnley is whatever you think northerners are whatever you think working class people are think this again. is not it think again you're exactly right like you've surmised that in such like perfect words because it is that even if you have an open mind even if you come across our page and go oh i had no idea well good now you do mm. um and register that pass mm. it on Tell someone else to follow us, you know, just be fair and just perhaps like, I don't know, just that, isn't it? Keep an open mind mm. because too often that people, oh yeah, just, I'll tell you what it is for me. It's that burden of being rough mm. and being common. common. And I have been called both of those mm. things um, in various different formats. She's rough, she's common. Um, in fact, let's go through this. Let's get, have you got your phone? We have touched on this, haven't we? So we um, put out to you guys, our followers, um, what being Northern was to you. So excuse me, I'm going to get my phone out. Um, we put on a number of questions. Now, we are so thankful that you engage with our page the way that you do. Whenever we post discussion topics, we get so many comments back and we're always really yeah. grateful. It's not like we're shouting into the void or whatever. Um, so the first question that we asked you lot was what is being Northern to you or what does being Northern mean to you? And we had literally dozens and dozens and dozens of responses. Sasha, do you want to do this one or shall I do this one? Have you got the responses there or not? Uh, you do this one. Right, okay. Um, so... Uh, we got that being Northern um, was community, a sense of friendship, which we've referenced already, uh, that people have your back. Yeah. I like that. People have your back, especially if you're out of the North or somewhere else. Northerners will seek one another. Mm. And I guess that's the same with any sort of cultural issue, isn't it? You mm. seek familiarity or whatever. Not always a good thing, perhaps. Um, connections is always a good one. Connections, I think, perhaps not as many as perhaps we could have maybe up North, um, but whatever. Um it's just similar to what we've referenced here, the mm. community. You know how people actually live. You see it in the faces. You see a lot of reality. And I guess that's true. Um, our towns don't hide from disadvantage. No. Uh, but that's not to say there isn't disadvantage everywhere. There mm. is statistically more disadvantage up north. That's a fact. That's a statistic. Yeah, and we don't shy away from that. You know, all of the facts like that headline that I've just read there, I'm not saying that's not true. It is true. But for every kind of negative, there are so many positives, but people are just not talking about the positives. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting here. Uh, lovely scenery. Oh my God. I love the scenery. Can I just say that from my classroom, you can see Pendle Hill and I love Pendle Hill. And every day I say to the kids, um, can we all just stop and look out the window <laughs> yeah. and admire Pendle Hill and you're like, old kid. like, miss, do we have to? We do it every day. And I'm like, but look at it. It looks so good today. Um, another one, Burnley Foot, get about. We infiltrate so many industries outside our area. I do think there is more of that at the moment. And I'm blaming Dave. It's Dave Fishwick. Yeah. I feel like he's like, I don't, I'm not saying that we're everywhere at the moment, Burnley people. But there just seem to be a little undercurrent or a little bit of a buzz of people from Burnley going on we and doing cool things. Are we those people? I don't Did know. you see it on, um, was it the Grammys where, was it the, no, not the Grammys. I don't think any from Burnley. <laughs> yeah, no, him from the um, Paris programme. Emily no, in Paris. Yeah, Mo Gilligan. It was like, no. yeah, no, no. Announced Luke. 
announced the person that is <laughs> from Berlin. Lucian. Uh, Lucian. Lucian. I was like, oh, the You know, people know us, don't they? But I think that's really funny as well because on a much less professional version of that, whenever you go on holiday, I'm telling you now, yeah, you yeah, will yeah. see someone with a Burnley shirt or a Burnley towel on the beach, no matter where you go in the world. Someone's put here, um, being Northern equips you with the social skills to somehow be friendly to anyone and everyone. You don't know any other way. Mm. It's interesting mm. that, isn't it? Mm. And I'm thinking about, yeah, most of our family would be like that. Like we've mentioned that. Whatever. We crack on. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Grit. That mm. Northern grit seems to be there. Um, I think that's about it, really. Nothing that we know. Oh, the pie game is elite. Yeah, let's talk about pie and peas a minute. Because my sister's boyfriend is from Manchester and that's not a thing. Pie and peas but is I not a thing. I don't like pie and peas, which is scandalous. I think we've talked about this before. Gosh, that's sacrilegious. I'll eat a cheese and onion pie, but that's about as far as it gets, no, really. No, I'm not having that. That's not, that's not good. But uh, literally every family do that we have, we will have pie and peas. Yeah, it's a bit excessive, mm. uh, but it's cheap. Mm. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> right, next question. Have you got these ones? Yeah, so rudest things someone has said about your accent. And again, like so many common threads about the whole Burnley thing. Lots of people saying that you're having your intelligence questioned. They actually said to me when I was at uni that uh, they thought I was good looking until I opened my mouth and started talking. I remember that. I yeah. remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think people still think that? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it's just a surprise of the voice that comes <laughs> maybe out. Maybe she just do that. Maybe she'd be like, "Yeah, nice. but I don't no, actually be surprised in more Burnley." Yeah, maybe I need to talk posher, and then I'll be more attractive, apparently. But yeah, um, <laughs> but just yeah, really common things about um, being underestimated. Oh, yeah. I also like this response as well. I don't really know what this means, but somebody said that someone once said to them, "Oh, it's being common allowed now, just like the women in the gays." That is awful. Yeah. But I can imagine it. I yeah. can imagine someone of an older generation saying that in a supportive way, in what they think is a supportive been, way. That is so bad. So now we're living in a in a society that is so woke that we're allowed to acknowledge that we have common working class people, like we have the women oh, and the gays. What is? Oh my god, that's so bad. I was asked whether I had a speech impediment. <laughs> That's so rude. It's what so we need rude. to do on NGC, I'll tell you what we'll do, Sasha. We'll come up with a post of like how to do what to say what when to somebody say. rips your accent. Because I don't know, and I remember one of my kind of um pivotal memories of this was when I applied for my first ever teaching job. So I applied for a Lancashire teach training course, did my interview, did my lesson. The woman who was interviewing me was like, oh shit, your lesson was absolutely amazing. And she said, but, and I was like, oh, what's coming here? And I could tell that she was uncomfortable and didn't really know how to phrase what she was going to say next. And she said, along the lines of, you can never be an English teacher with an accent like that. And I was so thrown by it that I didn't know what to say. And I just kind of sat there and I took it and I left and I was fuming about it. But you're right in situations like that, especially you when you're young. What do you say to that? I'll tell you what I've got. And I think I might have referenced this definitely on the page we've spoken about it, but something that I've started to do, and it's not necessarily accent centric, but you could use it in that circumstance. So when somebody says something to you that's slightly misogynistic mm. or rude or generally men like that, like, have you got a speech mm. impediment? A, what would be the problem if I did? Yeah. Why should you even feel the need to comment on that? Mm. But B, the best and most powerful question is, sorry, what do you mean by that? Mm. And it instantly puts the focus back on them. And every time I've done it, people... Mm. Um, so I've had like instances before professionally where someone mm. has said something quite rude or perhaps a little bit disrespectful. Mm. If you just catch yourself quick enough mm. and say, sorry, what, what, what do you mean mm. by that? So if someone says, oh, your accent's a bit common, 
You've got to challenge it. Sorry, what, what do you mean yeah. by that? Because that's your own prejudice and your own bias. Or but I remember, come, I remember coming home and telling my dad, so my dad is like the absolute, just iconic Burnley man, lives and breathes it. And I came home and I said, dad, I said, I've just said it. An interview for teach training. He sat there watching the chairs, reading the newspaper. Didn't even, didn't, even, didn't even look up at me. <laughs> I said, and she said to me that I could never be an English teacher with my accent. And our family motto is, it says this to me all the time in times of troubles. It just says, well, it says, remember, you're a Phillips, techno. And honestly, that is my life motto. And I turned that interview down. I was like, I am not getting a job with no. you if that's how you feel. And I went and I got on a teacher training course with an even better teacher training provider. So you've got to challenge it and you've got to question it. But again, I think the tides are turning because we've not always been taught how to do that. Am I right in thinking? I'm pretty sure when I first started teaching, which was ages ago, there was a comment on like the lesson observation performers about your spoken mm. English. Mm. Well, I mean, imagine how much mm. top teaching talent would have drained away off mm. the back of a comment mm. like that. You might have gone on to never teach off the back of that. Yeah, and when I first started teaching at my school, we once had a training session about um, um, not speaking in an accent. And I was so mortified by it because as an adult, you need to learn that how so you speak. So what you meant to do, just pretend. Yeah, like, like a robot, I option. will teach like this. Hello, <laughs> year gestures. 11, come in and sit down. It's just so nonsensical. Um, but yeah, yeah, lots of comments about accents. Yeah, surely you don't expect to be taken seriously speaking like that. Yeah. You sound daft, you sound stupid. Gosh, you're so northern. Please, can you say that again slowly? Uh, God, they go on and on. In fact, we got the most responses about this. Um, mm. So we're sorry that everyone's about your accent. We're not. We love your accents. We think your accents are such a part of your identity and you mm -hmm. should never shy away from them. It's not how you say it. It's what you say that is more important. Mm. Um, and that's what we're all about. Mm. We asked one more, didn't we? Positives. Yeah, no, we asked one before that. Oh, sorry. So it was, um, and I thought this quite, this quite interesting. How has being from the North held you back? Now, interestingly, quite a few people said it hasn't. Mm. Now, what- Oh that, yeah, okay, I see that. What, what that tells me is that, and again, this is something that we've kind of always known, that people are fighting battles that they don't even know that they're fighting. Mm. And when you're saying that the North hasn't held you back, you might not feel that personally, but the statistics show that it does. Yes. So I'll just give you a few of those. Oh, excellent. And are we ready? Book. Here we go. Knowledge. We're right. a knowledge-based podcast. So I won't go through them all. I'll just give you one or two. So um, the gap between poor and affluent. Sorry, you've underlined. <laughs> She's underlined. <laughs> Disadvantage. <laughs> Statistic. You want to see this? I've got a lot of Listen, don't ruin my dramatic Sorry. effect for this. Oh, it's right. a very serious statistic. Right. No humour allowed. No. Okay, so the gap between poor and affluent students going to uni is at the widest it's been for 14 years. Well, shot because you've tripled the flipping price. Exactly. Not rocket science, is it? And the next one is actually really shocking. So we've been doing quite a bit of work on this at school. So children who grow up in a place with low literacy levels have a life expectancy of around 26 years shorter than people who don't. Yeah. Poor children are twice as likely to be out of work in later life. So it's interesting when people say, no, it hasn't, but it probably has in ways that they don't understand. And I, I was thinking about this and what I feel really passionate about is I think about my kids at school who have suffered, like lots of other kids in the country, have suffered the worst physical, emotional, sexual abuse, neglect, poverty, yeah. you name it, they've suffered it. 
And I really hope that one day they go to these colleges and these unis and they get the jobs that are similar to their privileged peers. Yeah. And when that happens, that doesn't mean we've achieved equality. It doesn't mean we've achieved equality because so-and-so from Burnley is at the same college as Princess Eugenia. Yeah. Because those kids, our kids, suffer all of those setbacks. I've had to take strides 10 times the length to get there. So it annoys me when people are like, well, there is no gap because poor kids are going to uni. It's what they've had to do to get there that people yeah. don't understand. No, I agree. And, and there's so many different layers to this and different lenses of privilege and class and race and gender and it all mm. overlaps and it all interlinks. And it's really hard to peel back that. All we can do from our perspective is keep shining a light on the good people, the mm. great people that we know are from towns like ours. And that's what we are hell-bent on doing. Um, I can give you a story a little bit about what I've said about being northern and being down to earth. I've, it is probably a fault and a flaw, but also a strength of me. And I guess you would be the same, but Northern Girls Club has recently been to Parliament. We were in mm -hmm. the House of Commons. We uh, were invited down there off the back of the work that we've done with this movement, which was incredible, but the whole thing was well stressful. So in a nutshell, um, train strikes, so I'm well stressed anyway. I had to get on the 4.45 from Preston to Euston, which was cancelled. So then I had to go to Salford, to Manchester. It was just a nightmare. Pulled into Euston eventually, nine o'clock in the morning. I need to be in the House of Commons by 9.30. Now it's one of these really fancy lunches. So we were there. And you know, when you're in a time of uncertainty, you sort of latch on to the nearest person, don't you? And I met this girl and she was lovely. She has a really well-established, very successful business. Sasha, she's doing way better than me. <laughs> so hats off to her. And obviously I'm not going to name her. Is she Northern? Uh, no, she's not, interestingly. Okay. Uh, she's not, and she's a lot younger than us, mm. which I don't know whether it excuses me from this story or makes me look worse, but I'll just give you the bare bones of what this is all about. So we're in this fancy pants thing all morning and I've got a headache because I've not drank anything. I've not eaten anything and I'm wet through because it's been raining and I'm just glad that I'm even there. We go to the breakout sessions at the British Museum afterwards, which is just insane. I'm in this massive middle-class environment. All of these women are like, they're like glass, Sasha. Mm. And I, I don't see myself in any of them. I still enjoyed the whole thing. But what I mean by that is they're so clinical. They're so poised. Mm. They're so... Christine. Yes, they're so elegant. There's an elegance and a grace about them. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly so what you mean. They're so sterile in the mm. way that they speak. Anyway, this poor girl that I ended up latched on with because I was like, I need someone to help me navigate this sterile environment. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and it turned out that we'd... Um, I can't believe I'm telling this story. Matt, we don't need to get rid of this because I've not actually told anyone. It's still giving me anxiety. Um, I ended up with it in the breakout seminars. It just turned out that we'd chosen the same session. So basically, I harassed her the whole day. And at the very end of the day, um, there was wine, which wasn't great for me because... Mm. All I'd had all day was some posh bowls. And you were massive lightweight anyway, oh, let's my God. be honest. There was a small offering of lunch, which was just a joke. It was like an eggplant or something. Something <laughs> I don't even know what it was, but it was not cutting it. I needed like a sausage ball yeah. or something, but it wasn't there. Anyway, we'd had a few glasses of wine and she was telling this other girl about um, her business and she's in business with a boyfriend. And she thinks it's great that she's in business with a boyfriend because she's got ideas that she can bounce off him. And it was just so boring and sterile. And anyway, this person that she's talking to saying, oh, well, I used to be in business with my um, partner, but we broke up because of the challenges and the pressures. Guess what I said? I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh, you know. No, on, I'm what? dying. What? Literally, it just came out of my mouth and I thought it was really funny and really down to earth. I said, well, there you have it. Make sure you bounce ideas off him, but make sure you're bouncing on him as well. Oh, <laughs> I did. 
I'm not joking. But that's so not like you. It just to make came a out my mouth. Right, I don't know what it was. It just came out of my mouth. Did it fall absolutely oh, flat, like, flat, well, tumbleweed? Weirdly, there was just one girl who was proper sound. She owned a catering company, right? Honestly, she was a proper good crowd. I loved her. She was like crying with laughter. The rest of them, it was like I'd spat in the face. Yeah, but they're absolutely mortified. And so I like laughed. I was like, I can't believe I've just said that. But I know why I said it. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah. I'm sorry, it was. It was funny. In I any other setting, that would be funny. And it's like we can, we're having wine in the British Museum. Yeah. We've just been to Parliament. Like, can we just enjoy ourselves a little bit? But them lot, they were just like, mm. literally. <laughs> so I was like, oh, anyway, is that like an Egyptian pharaoh statue? <laughs> it was just awful. But I don't have the cultural capital to, to be able to handle that. the situation. How to navigate it. I don't it. eat eggplant. But do you know what, though? I think that that says a lot. And it's like us at uni. That is the best thing that you could have done. Because in situations <laughs> like that, that, I was dying the whole way But you've got to stay true to yourself. What are you going to do? Sit there and put on a fake Southern accent? Yes. And start saying ridiculous <laughs> things that you would just never usually say? That That's is. the best thing you can do in situations like that. Stay true to yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, but... Maybe don't make... Make sexual innuendos. Sexual innuendo. In the house of Parliament. But you, know the, you know, after you've said something, you just say, Just oh. one die. Actually, even though that was like a few months ago, I still wake up in the night and go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I said that. So before we move on and do some stereotype busting, because we've got some stereotypes that we want to smash, let's just touch a little bit on what we mean about our small towns, because I know we're going to be wrapping up soon. So... I mean, Burnley does have its faults. Let's not lie. Of Come it on. Does. It's not like I was wandering around today and some people are crackers. They are. Yeah. They are. But you get that everywhere. Yeah, you get that everywhere. The but, town... but that's also one of the gems of Burnley, the characters of Burnley. Yeah, they are Everybody characters. knows There's a book them. There in itself. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Sasha and I are well versed in these characters because I worked behind the bar at Weatherspoons and directly opposite Sasha worked in the same Mackie. So they just used to bounce mm. back and forth from. So I served them and you fed them. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of disadvantage, poor housing, poor literacy rates. We are aware of all of that, but we are here as Northern Girls Club to show you that there are other aspects too. There are salt of the earth people. There are people saving lives. There are people raising phenomenal amounts of money for mm. charity. People mm. doing really good mm. things in light of where they've grown up. So hopefully that ties it in a little mm. bit. So shall we smash some stereotypes? Yes, please. Do you have some or shall we use no, mine? No, you go for it. Right, Sasha, we'll do true or false. Okay. So I Googled. I, I haven't actually seen these, so go on. Right, okay. So if you go online and you Google Northern stereotypes, yeah. particularly Northern girl stereotypes, but I've, I've, will appeal to the masses. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is what comes up. So, true or false, is it true, you know, as a northerner, that this stereotype says, we are all pigeon fanciers. Which I didn't know what that was. Oh, but sorry, what does that mean? Yeah, so, uh, actually, if you'd read um, Shuggy Bane, you would know, because you should, basically, Shuggy Bane is one of Sasha and I's favourite books. Is it somebody who looks after pigeons? Yes, yeah, so they like look after pigeons, raise pigeons, fly pigeons, put the little clips around the leg. True or false, we're all pigeon fanciers. I would have to say false. I mean, Burnley's <laughs> got a lot of pigeons, but I don't think they necessarily belong to anyone. I don't think anyone's forming them. Yeah, they belong to the, the sausage roll crumbs out, outside of Greg's. Yeah, um, don't feed them. No. Not so that's, that's absolutely false. False. We are not all pigeon no. fanciers. Uh, next, we eat clotted pig's blood. Is that in reference to black puddings? It is, yes. Well, I would have... Oh, personally, no for me, but I know a lot of people really do enjoy those. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you go up on the market before Boo match day, it smells really nice. Black pudding smells really nice, but actually I'm not that fan. It's got the fatty No, I think maybe that's a generational thing. So our parents do. Um... So I would have to say half true, half false for that. Yeah, but maybe you might like it, so open your yeah. mind and try it. But we don't all eat that for breakfast, dinner and tea. Um, right, number three. You should know this. As an avid drinker, 
of half pints. At <laughs> uh, full pints full back pints. in the day. Not so she's underestimating me. She's really painting an attractive picture when I open my mouth and I've got my yeah. sauce. Uh, does the North have a better range of beers? Oh, see again, if you would have asked me this, so basically when I was 16, I used to go on nights out, I used to order pints of beer and drink pints of beer. I can't believe you did that. I that don't do cool. that anymore. I do know that in the North, we've got lots of really good, like, um, you know, like alternative like indie beers and like yeah, really okay, unusual yeah. ones. So I'm not sure about that. I'm but if you, true. if you go in Burnley Miners, I think it's going to be pretty standard about the type of beer that you're going to get in there. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, if you go in Burnley Miners and you get a round of like, say, six drinks, it's about eight quid. Yeah, it is. Literally, it's about eight quid. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? Um, next one. Um, identity is a football ground. It all comes together, past and present, at 3pm every Saturday. A thousand percent. And do you know what? I can't true. believe... That's true. I can't believe we haven't mentioned this. I think the binding factor of working class people, especially, for example, Burnley, is its football team. It absolutely is the epitome of everything working yeah. class. And it's such a lifeline for the town. Of course it is, yeah. In terms of its work that it does in the community and... The social the job, aspects. Yeah, there's everything. There's status mm. raising, like, God forbid we get relegated again. Lord, sorry, <laughs> hopefully mm. it never happens, but yeah. Um, true or false, Sasha? Everyone's mum and dad works in a cigarette factory. Well, no, because my <laughs> mum and dad don't. Cigarette, do they? I don't actually. Wouldn't that be vape? It vapes now. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Cigarette, yeah, so a cigarette is a small little stick for yeah. all under They're all very outdated, these stereotypes. No, because my mum and dad don't. No, mum and dad don't either. However, there are lots of factory chimneys on the skyline that are representative of our history. We should mm. appreciate that. Rather of the cotton than... mills. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, we never wear big coats. Thousand percent true. If you're wearing your fresh lipsy bandage dress, you ain't covering that up. But again, even at unit. So, I mean, you know, I'd go out in a little dress and heels because I would not be seen dead in anything else. Six inches of snow in Newcastle would not have my big coat on. No. Everyone else has got flat trainers on. They've got hats on. They've got coats. You just don't no. wear a big coat. No, you don't, do you? You don't. I do now. Now I'm on the wrong side of 30, but no, definitely not back in the day. Do you think people now do? No, because I think the, the fashion's different now. You very rarely see people wearing heels. Yeah, it's all a bit casual, isn't mm. it? Um, we mentioned this already. Everyone is friendlier and we talk to strangers. Not everyone, though. Like, you still get rude people. Like, you know, not everybody. Come on. No, and to be honest, I don't really like small talk. Um, I'm not very good at small talk, but I do think generally we are friendly. Um, do you have a flat cap? <laughs> Why are you thinking about that? <laughs> because I, I, I have worn a flat cap. No, sorry, no. I'm not you know, it. when our Australian friend Hannah, she had a leaving party and you all had to go yeah, something northern. Not like in life or in general. <laughs> Right, Matt say our production Matt's, prince is handing us... He's given us, us passive-aggressive time <laughs> notes. Matt, what does that even say? It's 6.30pm, angry face. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Matt, shut up. <gasps> oh, actually, that brings me on to number nine. True or false, uh, we are uncouth, chavvy uh, and gobby women. I have to say so much, I hate to say it. I have to say it's true. I particularly like uncouth. Uncouth, yeah. yeah. And lastly, Sasha, is it grim up north? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. I agree. So come on, let's be open man and let's celebrate the North in all of its impact. Thank you. Thank you.